Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. A lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. Okay, it's been a minute since I produced an episode, and there are a number of topics I've been meaning to hit. So this is going to be one where I attempt to do that. But I'm going to try to stick to the top of the list, which is... NBA free agency signings since the NBA free agent market just opened in the last 24 hours, particularly hitting on what the busy, busy Lakers have done. And no, that's not because I am playing to the biggest markets or the biggest stars. It's simply because they have had the most action. And for those of you who have tired of uh, national outlets like Fox talking so much about the Lakers, well... I hate to break it to you, but we're going to be talking a lot about the Lakers based on the moves they made. They are still going to be relevant. I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why there may be a hole in that, but as far as what they've done this summer, they've done as much as anybody. I also want to address the Damian Lillard situation. and Now that he has made it clear that he wants to be traded and how that's going to go down and why it's going down. I was going to hit the Michael Malone, LeBron James feud as well, but I'm going to push that to the next episode. So keep that in mind. That's still coming. Let's start with the NBA free agency happenings. As it stands, I have to say the balance of power in the NBA hasn't really changed. Yes, the Denver Nuggets lost Bruce Brown. I'm told that Peyton Watson, rookie last year, they're expecting him to step up and play a bigger role. Outside of Bruce Brown leaving, looks as if they're pretty much going to stay intact. Still question about Jeff Green. But other than that, I would expect that they're going to come back whole and they are still the team to beat very much so. Uh, That's a young team. Guys like Michael Porter Jr. and even Aaron Gordon, who I believe can only get better. So uh, throw Jamal Murray in that category as well. 
Now, no doubt the Lakers have done the most, and I really like what they've done. Uh, whatever happens, I don't want to hear anyone blaming GM Rob Palinka at any point next season. Adding Gabe Vincent, Tarian Prince, Cam Reddish, and Jackson Hayes, along with re-signing Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves, is an impressive haul. The fact that they were able to get Reeves at four years for $56 million is particularly impressive. Although, we might want to take note that no one came after him. That, as far as I'm aware of, is the best offer that the Lakers could give him, and it was not an offer sheet. Now, there's a reason why no one may have been willing to break the bank to even attempt to get Reeves. First of all, looking at his athleticism and physicality, there's a reason to question how much better he can get and whether or not he can expand his game once his current tricks are studied and solved. I've never seen a young, undrafted player more adept at drawing fouls than Reeves. That's not an insult. That's, that is very much a compliment. He averaged more free throw attempts per 36 minutes last season than Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, Jamal Murray, and Darius Garland. Now, if defenders learn not to bite on his pump fakes and pivots to draw contact, or the refs stop biting on his head snaps, a lot could change. Now, granted, he's more than a scorer or shooter. He doesn't live at the free throw line, although averaging four free throws a game for somebody who plays 28 minutes and is as much off the ball as he is on the ball is a pretty good percentage. And because he shoots a high percentage, three of, the, of, of his points, basically three and a half points a game, are coming from the free throw line. That's pretty good. Take that away, cut that in half. He goes back to what he was the first year, essentially averaging more like 10 rather than 13 points. Uh, he's not all that great defensively, but he tries. He's a good passer, but he doesn't live off of assists. He's not much of a rebounder either. But all that said, Lakers got him at a good number. At $14 million per year, it puts him salary-wise on par with Jordan Clarkson, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Tyus Jones. That feels right. If he's averaging 13 points a game, which he did during the regular season, and shooting around 40% from three, no one is going to get mad at him for making 14 mil. Now, had he jumped to, say, 20 million, as some predicted, he could easily have gone from a player beloved for producing way beyond his salary, which was 1.5 million last year, the bargain of all bargains, to being a player criticized for not living up to his new contract. And I've seen this happen plenty of times. Sometimes it's because the player feels he's making more money and so he has to do more and takes himself out of his game. And sometimes it's just the comparison of numbers. What this guy's making and what he's producing versus what that guy is making and producing. And the first, first guy that comes to mind is because it was relatively early in my career when I saw it happen was David Lee, 
who was beloved in New York as a player making less than a million dollars and then signed a six-year, $80 million deal, a sign-and-trade deal, and went to the Warriors and was viewed as a financial albatross and grossly overpaid. Now, he even made third-team All-NBA during that contract with the Warriors, and yet it still wasn't enough. And as solid as I think Reeves is, I do question how much better he can get. And I would say quite clearly the rest of the league does too. If they thought he was just scratching the surface of his potential, someone would have come after him. Sure, the cap hold created by giving him an offer sheet probably discouraged a few teams. For those who don't understand, if they had made, uh, if, if say the Pacers or the Magic or the Rockets had made him an offer, given him an offer sheet, uh, the I think it's uh, three, four, five days, there's a period of time where the Lakers would have the opportunity to respond. But in the meantime, that money would be locked up and the team making the offer sheet would not be able to spend it anywhere else. And the Lakers, again, put it out there, they would take every minute, they would tie up that other team, and then they would match the offer. So that surely, that discouraged, that discouraged some uh, teams, I would imagine, uh, particularly with the Lakers being adamant that they were going to match any offer. But someone would have been willing to roll the dice on that or force the Lakers to pay an exorbitant price to keep him if they thought Reeves was worth it. Look at what the Pacers did with DeAndre Ayton last summer. They didn't make him an offer sheet just to drive up the price for Phoenix to keep him. They genuine, genuinely hope to get him. One other interesting wrinkle. Reeves will be making more than Vincent and just a little less than Hachimura. The pressure is now going to be for him to prove he's worth more than Vincent and can be as overall productive as Hachimura, who's not only going to score, but he's going to rebound and he's a better defender. That's just the reality of a race. Expectations jump with the money, as does the quality of player you're compared to. And fans get excited when a player is retained, don't really pay attention to exactly how much money it costs to retain them until a player can't live up to the new contract. Expectations change, especially on a team with expectations as uniformly high year after year as they are for the Lakers. Now every part of Reeves' game will be scrutinized beyond the scoring, which he did at an impressive clip, both during the regular season and the playoffs. But now he has to stay healthy and available. It wasn't always that last year. Uh, I also like, honestly, the other additions that Palenka made. They needed two-way players, particularly on the wings, guys who are a threat to score and can defend. They would have one or the other. Malik Beasley could score. Jared Vanderbilt could defend. Reddish has wild potential. Gabe Vincent showed what he could do in the playoffs. Tarian Prince is at a good number, as is Jackson Hayes. The supporting cast is plenty good enough, although losing Dennis Schroeder to the Toronto Raptors will hurt. And 
There's a lot of young players here. Reddish is a young player. Jackson Hayes is a very young player. How will they fit with LeBron, who traditionally has not been able to coalesce what he wants to do with young players? It's just it's a challenge for them. There's, there's a, a, a clip out there of LeBron explaining things to Austin Reeves, and Austin Reeves looks lost. And that's not because Austin Reeves doesn't understand the game. I, it cracked me up that that was portrayed as, here's LeBron James teaching Austin. No, the way LeBron sometimes does things and looks at things is, is not conventional at all. Now, whether you think it's genius or otherwise, fine. Austin Reeves understands the principles of the game. It's why he's been able to do what he's done as an undrafted player. Sometimes what LeBron wants guys to do is LeBron-centric. That's why Austin looked confused as a result of that conversation. And I would imagine if LeBron is having a conversation with Jackson Hayes or Cam Reddish, there's a possibility that they're going to have the same expression on their face. In any case, I like the pieces. I like the pieces that, that, I, that they added. The big question will be, can Anthony Davis and LeBron compete with the Western Conference's star duos. A case can be made that their supporting cast is as good as any supporting cast out there now. But can AD and LeBron play equal to Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray? Or Steph Curry and Draymond Green? Or Steph and Andrew Wiggins? Or John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr.? De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis? And keep in mind... The supporting casts being comparable, can AD and LeBron James be the difference? Now, casuals out there will scoff at that notion. They'll trot out AD and LeBron's accomplishments and their individual numbers and all of that. But being a team's nucleus means not only getting their numbers, but getting them when it matters. See the series against the Denver Nuggets. LeBron James was put in position to win two of those games and couldn't get it done in the final minutes. That's when your stars come out and shine. That's what he's going to have to do. Now, supposedly playing with a foot injury, uh, didn't play a lot of games toward the end of the season, a lot of explanations slash excuses why LeBron may have not been uh, at uh, full strength in those situations. But he's going to need to be if the Lakers are going to make good on the work that Palinka has done this summer. The biggest winner in free agency and most eye-popping contract recipient is easily Fred Van Vliet, former Toronto Raptors guard, uh, Toronto Raptors guard who signed with the Houston Rockets for three years and $130 million. That's more than $43 million a year. For context, that puts him on the same monetary level as Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert, and Luka Doncic. The Rockets, look, they desperately needed a point guard. But Van Vliet is going to have a hell of a time living up to those numbers. If Reeves is going to be challenged, it doesn't even compare to what Van Vliet is facing. He's going to be asked to do for the Rockets what Jalen Brunson did for the Knicks. 
That comparison is coming, I assure you. And Brunson is making $26 million, almost $20 million less. Shea Gilgic Alexander, John Morant, Jamal Murray, and Darren Fox all will be making less than Fred Van Vliet. God bless him. God bless America. He bet on himself. He opted out of his deal with Toronto, and he got paid. But, man, Houston doesn't go anywhere. He's going to take the brunt of it, and so will GM Raphael Stone. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Most of the other signings we saw were really just teams holding serve. Draymond Green is staying with the Warriors. Jeremy Grant is staying with the Blazers. Kyle Kuzma is staying with the Wizards. I will say, losing Dante DiFincenzo is a loss for the Warriors. He was very, very solid at a very, very good price. Oh, Brooke Lopez re-signing with the Bucks, and Chris Middleton signing with the Bucks, uh, re-signing with the Bucks. Uh, we'll see where that goes. My feeling is they needed to get more athletic, and they obviously did not. We'll see how that plays out. What is hard to gauge right now is how all the big long-term contracts impact these teams under the new salary cap, which is far more restrictive as far as being able to work around a player who is not playing up to his salary. If the salary cap continues to rise over the next three or four years, it will be less of an issue. But there have been periods where the cap has risen incrementally and teams are suddenly hamstrung by a player underperforming. The Warriors looked down the line and decided Jordan Poole was going to be one of those players for them, which is why they not only moved him but spent a first-round pick to do so. It was a smart move, in my opinion. One that several teams that made a big splash in the last 24 hours are going to run up against, guaranteed. It's often the smaller, more subtle deals that prove to be the more impactful ones. The deals where value is added for minimal expense. The Memphis Grizzlies grabbing Derrick Rose could be one of them. They sorely needed to beef up their veteran presence. He will give them that. And played at the University of Memphis. So there's always that little added sales pitch. I don't see why he can't help shore up the loss of Tyus Jones as a backup point guard to John Morant and Marcus Smart. And certainly he will improve the locker room. The Bulls adding Javon Carter from the Milwaukee Bucks is another one. 
Now, as I predicted before free agency opened, Damian Lillard has requested that the Portland Trailblazers trade him. It really wasn't that hard to see it coming. Lillard has never entertained going anywhere else until this summer. It's not an accident that he dropped in a podcast his desire to play for a championship and mentioned the Heat as a team that he admired. Lillard is very intentional in everything that he says. And if something is misinterpreted, then he makes sure to let you know via social media. A guy doesn't publicly acknowledge that he has been recruited to go other places, as Lillard did multiple times over previous years, like LeBron trying to get him to come down to the Lakers, and says that, he, no, I'm staying. It would mean more to win one where I am. Too many people interpreted the report that he did not ask for a trade when he met with the team after the draft and before free agency opened as an indication that he was content to stay in Portland. I never saw it that way. Because he also gave them a list of things that he wanted to see them do. He wanted them to keep Jeremy Grant, which they did. But he also hoped, reportedly, that he would add, or that they would add, Draymond Green. They neither did that, nor did they land a comparable substitute. He was already, the reason he met with him is because they had the number three pick and they used it to get Scoot Henderson. It was like, okay, what's, what's the plan here? Because I told you I'm going to play for a championship. Taking a rookie at number three rather than trading it for a vet, best vet you can get, doesn't seem to me like you're trying to build a championship team right now. So Lillard played this about as well as it could be played. He opened the door to possibly leaving and then let it be known what could convince him to stay even though he had to know the chance of the Blazers actually being able to fill his request was remote. And then, when the dust settled, said, I'd like to be traded. I believe he genuinely hoped to win a ring in Portland. So why the change of heart? Again, not hard to understand. He is about to turn 33 years old in July. The injuries are piling up. He played all 82 games his first three seasons in the league and no less than 73 games through his first seven seasons. He was an Ironman. He's played 58 and 29 games over the last two. He has to realize that his time as a primary player, as the reason a team wins a title rather than a ride-along, being a ride-along, is dwindling. Also, he has been paid. Vowing allegiance to the Blazers last summer, summer before, allowed him to sign and for them to give him a two-year, $120 million extension. He is, if my math is correct, going to make $220 million over the next four years, from age 33 to 37. He could not have got that money anywhere else. It's a little like Bradley Beal. He re-upped with the Wizards when there was all the innuendo. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Is he going to leave via free agency? No. He re-upped with the Wizards because they could pay him way more than anybody else could on the free agent market. And then all he had to do was get through one more season and he could go where he wanted 
while being paid what he wanted. He's now in Phoenix, now getting paid the max. Also, Lillard isn't wed to the Blazers the way he once was. No C.J. McCollum there anymore. GM Joe Cronin is one year into the job. He doesn't have the same relationship with Dame that Neil Olshay had. The team is about to be sold. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have the same relationship with Jody Allen as he did with her late brother, Paul, who owned the team and was alive when Dame was drafted. Paul died five years ago. And finally, there's this. The Blazers haven't been close to a winning record of making the playoffs two seasons in a row now. Obviously, part of that is because Lillard's availability has been limited by injuries. But still, team without him, the, the how much he's been carrying them became obvious over the last two years. All the Blazers fans that vilified Olshay because he was only getting, to the, getting them to the playoffs every year and not building a championship team, well, this is the life he was saving you from. Good luck getting anywhere close to the playoffs again anytime soon. Now, about where Dame is headed. Can we stop with the San Antonio talk? I don't know how it started, but <laughs> they're not close to contending, and that's why he's leaving Portland. No, Dame and Victor Wembanyama doesn't make for a title contending team. The Spurs... I'm told, aren't even interested in contending yet. They, they're going to slow play getting Victor acclimated to the NBA. Another trip to the lottery would not be a disappointment for the Spurs, I'm told. What I don't know is what kind of hardball the Blazers are going to play. Now, Joe Cronin has said that they are still committed to winning. They've gotten the, they've gotten the news from Lillard that he wants to be traded, but... Uh, they're still going to do what's best for the team. Take that with a huge grain of salt. They're not just going to trade him anywhere. No one is going to accept Dame if he doesn't want to be there. The question is, will they take the best offer the Heat can muster and send Dame to his number one destination? Or will they play this like the Utah Jazz did with Donovan Mitchell and not send him to his first choice? For Donovan, that was the Knicks and send him somewhere else, which was Cleveland, instead, out of spite. Now, I don't see Cronin doing that to Dame. Yes, Mitchell was beloved in Utah, but not to the level that Dame was in Portland, or is in Portland. Dame's put in too many years of good service, far more years than Mitchell did. And there are enough Blazers fans that are actually okay with seeing him go, think that he has earned it. Now, I don't know Cronin, but it's hard to imagine that he's like Jazz President Danny Ainge, who presided over the moving of Mitchell, came in, one of the first big moves that he made after leaving the Celtics. Danny Ainge has a, for anybody who doesn't know, has a fierce competitive streak and was a Boston Celtic when they were having wars with the Knicks. Don't look for the Jazz to ever make a deal with the Lakers for the same reason. Being petty is fully within Danny's character. Also keep in mind, Dame is a very good businessman. It's no accident Net, the Nets, Brooklyn Nets, and the Heat are at the top of his list. I'm told that the Heat are at the very top. 
With both teams, he could step in and immediately be the biggest name on the roster, the guy with the most star power, and yet have contending level talent around him. His brand and endorsements have been built on him being the main attraction, the number one guy. That's why I believe, in part, he wasn't that fast to leave Portland. It's also why I don't see him going to the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid is already established as the star. Marketing and endorsements are still going to go to him first. The franchise just doesn't have the same track record as far as championship culture either. So at some point this summer, or certainly before training camp, we're going. I would expect that we're going to get the announcement that Dame is being traded to the Miami Heat. One question will be: Will it be with along with Yusuf Nurkic, which would allow the Blazers to really clear the decks as far as their financial commitments uh, and the roster? I don't know. That's that sounds and feels awfully expensive. The Miami Heat have the wherewithal to do it contract-wise without giving up Bam Adebayo or Jimmy Butler, but it would be very expensive going forward. And their ownership, Mickey Arison, has indicated, was one of the reasons why he was reluctant to do the Bradley Beal deal, uh, has, has expressed a reluctance to spend that much money. It's going to be expensive. So I could see where the rub is going to be. The Heat really want Damian, less so Nurkic. Although, again, flip side is you have Nurkic means you can play big. You're going to have a quality backup for Bam if you want to play small at center or play big and play Nurkic and Bam together. I think those would work, especially Nurkic is enough of a decent three-point shooter, you could make that work. So we'll see which way this goes. But that, much as I felt from the beginning, and I believe a couple of episodes again, for those of you who may not have caught it, a couple episodes ago, I, I talked about why Damian going to Miami made so much sense. You might want to check that out. But that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And in the next episode, as I said, I am going to hit Denver Nuggets coach Michael Malone taking a shot at LeBron James and LeBron James responding. And why that exchange between them should and shouldn't be surprising. have to dig into the history of those two a little bit, and I will in the next episode. Whether that will be the full breadth of the episode remains to be seen. I imagine there's a few other things that are going to happen between now and then that I'll have to add. But that said, I also want to get out another episode sooner rather than later. So that will be coming in the next couple of days, I promise. I've been a little negligent when it comes to putting out episodes and I need to get, uh, need to pick up the pace, if you will. In the meantime, as always, Thanks for listening.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.